Hey, this is Rakim, Emaxcast episode 3. So I started recording this morning, and about 10 minutes in, this is what happens to these Emacs commands. Uh, that chirping sound in the end was a phone call. Since all of my devices are Apple devices, all of them started ringing. I didn't stop the recording, I knew it, it was an unknown number, probably some spammer, and it was a spammer. So 30 seconds later, I'm back and I just continue talking. Turns out the software I'm using to record this audio decided to stop recording on that phone call. The next 45, 50 minutes I was talking to nothing, like a crazy person. And of all things, I was talking about Emacs. How crazy is that? So this is take two, but it's fine. I didn't like how it went the first time anyway, so hopefully this will be much better. Before I start, I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the feedback. I got I didn't quite expect this this much uh, it was it was awesome so many of you wrote me nice things and said to continue this is this was one of the questions I asked should I continue I got a definite yes so I am continuing thank you this is episode three as I said this is going to be about org mode I thought before I start the main thing I will go over the news, so the news flash of this podcast, since this is about my beginner's journey into Emacs. The news is what happened in my config since the last time. I have added few little tweaks, like highlighting the current line and showing the line numbers, nothing too important. Last time I described my key bindings, the, the way I set up control and command and stuff like that. It didn't work out, so I have changed it back to the defaults almost. Command is what it is by default if you download Emacs for Mac and it's super key in Emacs. So by default many OS level combinations work. So Command X and C and V work to cut, copy and paste. Command Z is undo. Command S to save a file. A couple of others but those are the most important things. Also Command A selects all. As many people do, I set my caps lock key as control. I also would like to have control key on the right side of my keyboard. And I used a software called Carabiner Elements to bind my right command key as control. So now I have actually three control keys on the keyboard. The actual control on the left side, the caps lock key, and the right command key. And alt is meta. One of the reasons I, I switched back to this layout is that many simple Emacs key bindings actually work on the system level. Any input field, any form, anywhere you put text, usually the basic Emacs commands, for example, to go to the beginning with control A or to the end of the line with control E, they just work. And I'm used to that. They also work in the default terminal uh, in Bash. I wanted to have less cognitive pressure when I'm working with software. Some people suggested that just don't fight it, use Emacs the Emacs way and stay in Emacs as long as possible. But the reality is I cannot stay in Emacs and do all the things in Emacs. I have to switch to other apps and I want all the apps, including Emacs, to behave as similar as possible. So if I'm using control in other apps, it should be the same control in Emacs and not command key as I did before. I can use now this command key to simplify many built-in key combinations. 
for example, in Emacs, if you want to create a new buffer, control X and then two or three for vertical buffer. This is three keys. I would like to have just two keys. I now have bindings with command. Hit command two instead of control X two or command three instead of control X three. And I also have command W to close a buffer, an active buffer. And it's the same kind of muscle memory as most of you I'm sure have with a browser. You just close the tab with command W. And to open a new tab, I hit command N. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it shouldn't be command N, it should be command T. It's not used by default, so it's free. So I can have command W and command T the same way as in web browsers, new tabs and closing a tab. Yeah, I'll do that as soon as I finish recording. Thank you. Hey, this is Rakim from the future when editing this episode. I realized that I made a slight mistake when talking about buffer management, those new key combinations for switching between buffers. I should have said windows, not buffers. I was talking about different windows on my screen and how I create new windows and switch them. They usually are associated with buffers. A window is a view for a buffer, but buffers can exist outside of windows. They are just somewhere. And when buffers are visible, they are in windows. All right, go back to the past. Among new packages, I finally got around to explore Helm and Projectile. And this is a game changer for me. This is, this is great. So Helm is making all the places where you have to type in a command or choose a file or choose a buffer. Helm makes it nicer. It's too big to describe, especially without visuals. The default tutorial about Helm is excellent. It shows you everything. I, I read it that it I was convinced after reading it. One of the coolest things about Helm is that when you hit Alt X or Meta X to enter a new command, you can see the list of all commands that match the pattern you started to type and it's interactive. So if you change, you see a different list and it shows you the key combination. So this is something that makes, for example, VS Code really nice because you can type any command in the command palette and it shows you the key combination so that the next time you don't have to type it in, you can just use the shortcut. And this makes Emacs much more transparent and discoverable. You can first of all search through all the commands and when you find something, you can see if it already has a key combination. But of course you can make your key combinations for anything, but you can learn the default ones. Projectile is a package to manage your projects and a project is just what it is. It's it's usually a programming language project, like an app with all the different files and folders and subfolders, etc. It's the same notion as you have in all the other modern editors like VS Code or Sublime or Atom. Being inside a project, you can do a bunch of stuff with it. You can search through the files, you can navigate files, you can add build systems. It's a huge package. It does a lot of things. But for me, I set up Projectile and Helm, and they play really nicely together. This is super important to me because the way I work is I usually don't remember. First of all, I don't remember file names. I don't remember file paths. I don't know where that file is. I, I have general idea, but 
working with different languages and, and frameworks, I don't want to keep in mind all the conventions they had when they were building the framework or all the thoughts I went through when I was structuring my project. So if I'm searching for a file, I know I'm, say, working with the Ruby on Rails project. I know there's certain controller that is responsible for a certain thing. I have a general idea of how it should be called. I don't really remember how Rails does this plural things. So, for example, in my recent project, I have a repositories controller. And it, it might be repositories controller. It might be repository controller, singular. I don't remember. I just use Helm. I hit Command P and F. Command P is my default combination to go into projectile and then F to search for all the files. And I just start typing rep con. And that gets me to the repositories controller. If you can hear that sound, that's an ice cream truck. And I'm not sure if in different countries it's a different tune, but here in Finland, this is how it sounds like. Yeah, I would love an ice cream. I will get an ice cream after I finish this, but after I update my config, as I said. But yeah, it supports fuzzy searching. There could be a rep something something controller something something dot something, and I will still find it. This is the main thing that made Sublime so awesome to me. I can find any file in just a second. And often I see, especially Vim users, they are super fast when they are editing a file, but when they have to search for another file, they have to switch to some other place. I quite often see them typing in the full path. Like I want to open this file and they remember the path and they put it in. They have some sort of tab completion, but they still have to type it in. This is so weird to me because I just want to be, I just want Sublime to read my mind. Like I want this something, something, and it just shows me exactly what I wanted. I also installed the Silver Searcher. It's kind of grep on steroids. It allows me to search through the contents of all the files inside the project or inside any folder. So if I don't even remember what that file is, like I remember nothing about that file, but I know inside it some method, something about Facebook, something, some method that does something with Facebook. I hit Command Shift F and it starts searching the contents of all the files in my project. So I type Facebook and I see a list of results, list of files and the corresponding lines where that word was found. So let's say I have eight results, eight different files, or maybe less files, but eight different occurrences of that word in my project. I did the same in Sublime, and it worked fine. I use it all the time. In Sublime, you can do that. It's built in. You can search through the whole project, and it just shows you the results. So you type the search in, you hit enter, it shows you a new page with the results, and then you go somewhere and if you change your mind or maybe you want to search for something else you have to do another search hit enter get another page of results with helm and projectile and silver searcher i finally did something with emacs that i couldn't do with sublime so at that point emacs is superior for me at least when i get that list of results i can actually navigate it and if i have the so-called follow mode enabled i can see the files appear with that line in the middle as I navigate the list. So I don't have to go from that search results window into each file. I can see the file immediately and I can actually change my search immediately. It's incremental. I don't have to do another search. I'm in the search. 
this is extremely useful for me at least. The way I work is I search for stuff all the time and this makes it super easy. Of course, I can search inside the file the same way if I have a file open, I hit Command F, I get the same search thing, but now the results are only in this file. And with the follow mode enabled, I can jump between different occurrences of the word I'm looking for in the file. And again, see the context around that occurrence. It's amazing. I have some other things uh, set up for now. My config is getting to a place where it can actually be quite usable and useful in my regular programming jobs. If you're interested, I can make a screencast about my config and show you all those things in action. Let me know. All right, this was the news flash. The main thing I wanted to talk to you about is org mode. If you just describe it as it is the basics, it sounds kind of dull. It's just an outliner. So if you use something like Workflowy, where you can create headings and subheadings and subsections and collapse and expand them, this is it. But it's inside Emacs and it's just using text files. So org mode is, think of it as two parts. First, it's a special format for plain text files. It's like a markup language, similar to Markdown. And the second part is the actual software, the package for Emacs called org mode. It's one of the default packages for Emacs. So if you installed Emacs in a usual way, then you are already a proud owner of org mode. So when you open a file with org extension, Emacs goes into this org mode. It processes this file and shows it in a bit of a different way, and it enables certain behavior. One of the things is, as I said, you can expand and collapse those. The markup is similar to Markdown, but different. For example, in Markdown, you have two asterisks to make text bold. Here, you only have one. Links, for example, are nicer in Markdown. I can never remember how to form a link because they use both square brackets and round brackets. And I don't remember which is which, which should, should the link be in the square or the description be in the square. In org mode, both of them are in square. And all I have to remember is that the link comes first, description comes second. And it kind of makes sense because, well, you first have the link and then you describe the link. So far, it's okay. It's just a markup language with some collapsing. It starts getting cool when you realize that you can cross-link between different documents. Say I have an org file with some sort of documentation and I can link to a specific file or to a specific section of a specific file from another file and then just click on that link or of course use my keyboard to jump to another file. With just that feature, you can make a knowledge base for yourself. If you write notes, if you are writing a book or articles, you can make lots of cross-references and connect different parts of different documents. And it's still just text. It's not some closed format. It's not something like Evernote where you can probably link to different documents, but it's some hidden database. This is just text. And if org mode disappears for some reason, <laughs> you cannot use it. You still have all the data, you still have all the links. You cannot click them, but you see them, you know where they're pointed to. It's just human readable text. But of course, the beauty is that org mode, even if it stops developing for some reason, which probably won't happen in the near future, but if it does happen, you can still use whatever you have. You can still use the latest version and it will probably work forever. Tables in Markdown are super painful. I want to never work with tables in Markdown when I do have to work with them. It's a 
it's not good. Tables in org mode are actually pleasant. One of the things that org mode does is if you start creating a table, it will automatically adjust it, make it nice. You don't have to put all those separators and columns by hand. It all makes it automatic and it, it looks nice. The crazy part is those tables are actually spreadsheets. The basic spreadsheet functionality is there. You can make formulas. You can automatically update values. And it's kind of crazy to look at because it's still a text file. You're looking at a text file that does some magic. You, you shouldn't do that, text file. You are weird. With org mode, you can export your file into multiple formats. By default, it comes with HTML, PDF, through LaTeX, Markdown. There are about eight of them, and you can make more. I remember back in the university when I was going through my computer science program, all the PDFs that came from professors looked amazing. They looked so nice. All the exams, homework, books they wrote, articles they wrote, everything was super nice. And it was all in a similar format, as if they had this corporate standard, corporate thing that they had to follow. Now I realize they uh, they probably used LaTeX or they probably used Emacs and org mode or something similar and exported to PDFs through LaTeX using the default layout and default fonts. When I tried this, I was amazed because, say, my config file, which, as you remember from the second episode, is an org file with lots of code blocks. If you export it using org mode into PDF through LaTeX, it looks Amazing. It looks like I wrote this nice little book about Emacs configuration. I have talked about org babble in the last episode. It's a way to embed code inside an org file and actually compile it into a program. Now, the cool thing about putting code inside an org file is that you can run the code without leaving org mode and you can get the result of running that code below. This is great if you are for example, writing a tutorial or maybe a book about programming. So you have a paragraph of text, just English text, then you have a code snippet and you want to show what is the output of running that code. If you were using something traditional like Microsoft Word or Pages or Google Docs, you'll first have to struggle with making that code look nice. You have to apply different style to that portion of the text. In Orgumod, of course, you don't have to do that uh, you just specify a language and you can enable native highlighting. If you have a code snippet, you can actually just hit a couple of keys and that code will run in the corresponding language interpreter, be it a compiled language or interpreted language. The result will be put into a newly created section below your code. And if you change your code, you just run it again. If you were using Microsoft Word, you'd have to copy that code somewhere where you can run it, run it, copy the results, get back, and do it every time you change the code. I don't know. For me, this it got mind-blowing at the point where I realized that in this text file, you can do code running and get results and actually interact with the code you are writing as text in a text file. Out of the box, org mode supports basic to-do functionality. Any heading or subheading can become a to-do item. By default, you just go to that line, hit Shift-Right, and it becomes a to-do. If you hit Shift-Right again, it changes the state to Done. And if you hit Shift-Right again, it changes the state back to nothing. No, no to-do, no done. 
Of course, you can customize that too. You can add more states. You can specify, for example, a canceled state or waiting state or something else. For any to-do, you can set a scheduled date and a deadline date. And again, this is just the key combination and you get to see a nice calendar. You can click away, pick a date, and it actually understands basic natural language. So I didn't know this. I just tried it and it worked. Start scheduling a task and instead of the date, you just say something like Monday or just Mon or September 7th or just Sep 7th. It understands it. Of course, looking at a huge org file, picking what tasks are due today is no fun. And of course, org mode provides a way to deal with this. Agendas. If you hit a special key combo, you will see an agenda view for the current week. You'll see all the days in the week and all the tasks on the corresponding days, all the tasks that are due or are scheduled for a certain day. And of course, yes, you can customize this. You can make custom agendas. For example, you want to see all the items scheduled for the next three weeks from a certain tag. Of course, you can tag items that have a deadline in a week or less. You can make a custom thing to look at just the things you want. Agenda looks at all the org files that you specify in the config. So in my config, I just put my whole directory, home directory slash org, and it looks inside all the files in that directory and pulls all the to-dos when creating those agendas. This is quite powerful because now I can put to-dos in other documents. I might be writing a book or some article and I have to do something for that article or that book before I'd go into my to-do application, which is things and I have to write something like find a picture for the book on page 63. So I am creating this new work for future me who will not love this work, but will have to do it by hand. We'll have to go back and find that page and kind of restore the environment to do that thing. If I'm writing in org mode and I'm using org mode for to-dos, I'm just going to put that to-do inside that file on page 63, exactly at the place where I have to do it. And then in the agenda, just like with Helm, I can enable follow mode and switch between different tasks in the agenda. In just one click, I will go to the place where I have to do that work. And I didn't even have to switch apps. As I said in the first episode, I'm not trying to have any expectations. I'm not trying to make Emacs make me more productive or anything like that. I still have these ideas. I, I, I am still thinking about how possibly Emacs can make my life a bit simpler. One of the goals for me for this year is I want to make my life simpler. I want to reduce the number of things that I interact with. I want to reduce the cognitive load. So something like org mode can possibly replace three apps, three different apps. Things for to-do, the built-in Mac, notes app for notes and IA writer for writing. And they are not integrated at all. I cannot link from a to-do item to a specific place in the writing app. I cannot quickly copy a note, convert it into a to-do. It's just three different worlds and they use different key combinations and they're just different. If it's possible to reduce three different apps, three different universes into a single universe where one set of rules applies, that would be amazing. I'm trying really hard not to get excited about this and not, not uh, you know, get sucked into this black hole of learning and setting up systems, but just playing around. This is my hobby, as I said. 
I'm only scratching the surface of org mode. There are so many features, quick capturing functionality. So if you're in anywhere in Emacs, you can, you can just click a couple of keys and a new buffer appears where you type it in, where you type in something quickly, hit another key, and it is saved into some specific file or into a new file. This is great for taking quick notes without leaving your context for writing a journal. Since you can export to HTML, another thing that org mode can replace for me, and I'm trying this right now, is I want to use it to store all, all my links. It makes sense, I guess, to store all your links inside your browser. You have the favorites bar with folders and subfolders, but it's kind of not that nice to navigate. It's impossible to look at all your links in a nice way if you have folders and subfolders in, say, Chrome or Firefox. There are third-party web services like Pinboard. Uh, I use Pinboard. I have lots of things there. It's still not perfect. I guess I would love to just have... a a whole bunch of links in a text file, in an, in an org file. So I set up a system like this. I have links.org inside my org folder, and I have a quick capture template so that if I want to add a new link, of course, I can just open that file and write somewhere, or I can hit a couple of keys from anywhere within Emacs and paste my link in there, and it just goes inside. In my config, I set up a function that checks if the current file is that links.org. And if it is, upon saving that file, it exports to HTML. So every time links.org is updated, the HTML version of that file is created. And in the browser, I just open that file and I have that file in my bookmarks bar. So in my bookmarks bar, I have a bookmark called links. And when I click it, I open a file with all the links and I have a nice structure there. I have headings and subheadings. I love to see it organized with some comments, with things that I write to future me looking at those links. So I feel quite confident about this system because, again, this is just text and then it's just HTML. There's no hidden system. There's not some database. I can do whatever I want with that thing. I can restructure it in any way. Org mode can do time tracking. There are timers and you can set up something like a habit tracker. I know many people switch to Emacs, not maybe switch, but start using Emacs just because of org mode. For many people, org mode is that app that makes Emacs make sense. And as far as I know, there are no comparable alternatives in other editors. I've seen org mode clones in Vim and Sublime. And they do the basic stuff all right. They do outlining and to-dos and agendas even. But they probably just do 5% of what org mode can do. And there's, of course, a bunch of additional packages for org mode that expand on it and add more stuff. It's quite easy to kind of get lost in it. It's it's a lot of things. It can do a lot of things. It's like you look at the first description and you're thinking it's a bicycle, but in reality, just like with Emacs, it's more of a space station. The creator of org mode, if I remember correctly, said that he wants org mode to stay simple on the surface so that people can just start using it and maybe for years use those five basic features. And then when they say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if org mode could do that? And then they discover that the answer is, it already does that. It can do, it can do that. That actually was my experience with Emacs so far, I was thinking, 
that would be cool and then i find a way to do that it's already possible so yeah don't get discouraged if you if you listen to all of that and and think that's too complicated it's not you don't have to use all those features uh, they are not in your face in any way it's actually the opposite you have if you want any of those features you have to kind of dig dig inside it follows the Emacs philosophy quite quite strongly. I think they are similar in a way that they hide the complexity, but there is a lot of complexity if you are to dig. In the show notes, I'll add links to a couple of resources that helped me start discovering org mode. It's the official tutorial, of course. It's quite good. There's some intro videos on YouTube, and I really liked the talk that Harry Schwartz did in one of the Emacs meetups. He's actually the organizer of New York City Emacs meetup. And he just showed all those features in about 30 minutes. I learned a lot from that talk. That's just an overview. But if you want to dig deeper and you are into YouTube, then try Reiner Koenig's YouTube series. He is a, a charming German gentleman who explained many, many features of org mode in just perfect format it i loved his videos thank you for listening again thank you so much for all the feedback i hope you enjoyed this in the next episode i will probably talk about vanilla emacs versus evil mode versus space max and maybe even versus vim all the limited experience i have working with all those different options i will try to share with you thanks bye bye